Welcome to But What If I Tried Acting, the podcast where we discuss the filmographies of singers, rappers, or just general music people who launched acting careers. My name is Garth. I am here with Chelsea Sanchez. Chelsea Sanchez, justify to me living in this fucking shithole of a goddamn city. I love this city. It's oh my beautiful. God. It's right. amazing. Do we have to do this again? Uh, I'm sorry, one of the many bridges in this beautiful town was closed to you, sir. Okay. How did you not think that was going to happen on the 4th of July? Yeah. I yeah. also have a very good point. We are recording this on the 4th of July. Yeah. Uh, and Garth tried to drive over the bridge that is the, the fanciest bridge in town. Uh, to answer that question, uh, it's because I am based in Northern Virginia and I am a rational human being who assumed that the bridge to the city would be fucking open on the busy day of the year. The bridge to and, go downtown? But, you know what? I mean, Philip has a point, though, because... Uh, I, I, I should have assumed irrationality. I should have assumed bullshit. I would have, I should have assumed that the infrastructure of the city could not stand the fucking traffic on a goddamn bridge. You can't do it for like security purposes, I think. Right. Also, you could have recorded at home. Mm. Also, if you're going from where I think you're coming from, you could have just taken chain bridge, right? No. Uh, Butler. (laughs) No. Me. Butler, why do the DC residents basically throw a temper tantrum every time the possibility of having to drive to DC to go to Virginia comes up? I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I can tell you that my reasons many times have been, hey, I don't have access to a car. And guess what? Uber is really expensive to go to Virginia. <laughs> so there's that. Also, I don't really want to continue having this discussion because it just gets me heated. And again... Oh, this is the last time I'll say it. Could have recorded from home if you didn't want to deal with DC. You have a mic. I also just just to say again, just to reiterate, I live in a very convenient part of town to get to. Okay, I don't even live downtown. Like I live basically in the suburbs. All right. Well, I had to inject uh, just a little bit of negativity because uh, we are talking about two great things today. Uh, we are talking about uh, the self-titled Beyonce album. Yay! Yeah. And we are talking about homecoming. Yay! Ooh, I'm wearing my yay. homecoming shirt. Yay! Yeah, yes, Sanchez is wearing her uh, Beyonce Alpha Knowles shirt. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Uh, so why don't we talk about this album a little bit? Butler, you want to lead us off? Yes, I do, because I love this album so much. Um, it was released famously without warning or promotion on December 13th, 2013 on Parkwood Entertainment and Columbia Records. Some notable producers and songwriters include Timbaland, the god of producing. He's also produced Work It by Missy Elliott, which I will not say that sentence, Garth, but good try. <laughs> to be noted I'm a scamp. That... <laughs> I wrote into the script that it's a better music video than Single Ladies. There we go. No. Because uh, I'm so clever. Sure. It should be noted that Timbaland produced the vast majority of Missy Elliott's hits, like The Rain, Super Duper Fly, 
Get Your Freak On, Gossip Folks, and so on and so on. He also produced Hot Like Fire by Aaliyah. It should also be noticed that he produced the vast majority of Aaliyah's hits, like Four Page Letter, Try Again, We Need a Resolution, and so on. Also, Dirt Off Your Shoulder by Jay-Z. Ooh. Very good. Very good. And then we've got Mike Dean. He produced the majority of My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye West. He got he did uh, Sicko Mode by Travis Scott featuring Drake. Also Eight Figures by Maxo Cream. Uh, not a big song, but Garth wants more people to know about Maxo. Yes, Maxo Cream, Texas rapper. Great. Cool. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Uh, we've also got Boots, who produced Lie, Cheat, and Steal by Run the Jewels. Also sings the chorus on Early by RTJ2. Or on Run the Jewels 2. Okay. Oh, whoops. I see. Yes. Thanks, Garth. Um, We've also got Glass and Patron by FKA Twigs. Love her. And Mm -hmm. uh, writing credit on Take Me Apart by Kalala. Great. Yay. Very nice. Kalala is great, yeah. Um, Also, people we've talked about in the past, like Pharrell Williams, Hit Boy, and Ryan Tedder. Some notable guests include Jay-Z. Frank Ocean, Drake, and Blue Ivy. So Blue cute. Ivy! Oh, so cute! Um, also, Kelly and Michelle have background vocal credit on Superpower, as does Sia on Pretty Hurts and Sampha on Mine. Of course, Sia's on Pretty Hurts. Yeah. Interesting. Of course. Uh, so, what do we all think of the album? Love it. Yes, as stated, love it so, so much. It's yeah. so good. Yes. I agree. It is one of my favorite albums. <laughs> yeah, if, if none of us are going into super big detail here, it's because, like, this whole section is basically just praising this album. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what else can you say besides, like, it's great, it's a masterpiece. What, yeah, what yeah, a wonderful I mean, look, surprise like, she blessed us with. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are all millennials, obviously. We love this album. It, like, it's, it's not even, like, do we like it? Of course we like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, right. Uh, surprise release. So we were all seniors in college when this came out. Um, it was late in the first semester. We were all stressed out with our various end of semester projects. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, so what, what memories do we have? Um, let's see. Well, the big thing for me is that it came out the day before uh, my sister's birthday. So I thought that that was cool. And I remember calling her and being like, isn't this so cool right before your birthday? And she's like, I don't like Beyonce. And I was like, why are we sisters? Why? (laughs) So it's like, why did I, why? Just whatever. Way to ruin it for me. Um, But also like listening through it, um, you know, there's so many songs that I think of now that are just like classics. It feels like for me and, I remember thinking it sounded really different for her in a lot of ways. And I thought it was really cool how she was experimenting. Like the Partition Yonce song, for example, it's like, it's kind of two songs in one. And I thought that that was really cool. Yeah. I So this is the album that really like brought me back to like Beyonce, I think, um, where I don't super remember like the first time I like heard the whole album, but I remember I, and it was 2014. So I was very into like, like pop culture blogs. Um, Shout out so AV this, Club. This might come out later. Uh, this might come up again later. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> AV Club. Also, like, there's a lot of, like, I think, like, you know, like POC led blogs back then that, you know, I I spent a lot of time, like, reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and they felt a lot more relevant than I think, you know, I mean, I feel like a lot of them don't exist anymore, also, really. But um, 
you know, I remember like the, the album dropped. And then I remember the like video for, I think like pretty hurts came out like pretty quickly, like after the album came out Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Um, And I remember just listening to it and being like, Oh yeah, this is like kind of not, this is like different. Yeah. For sure. (laughs) Like, you know, like a lot of it too is like stuff we'll go into later, but like this just definitely felt like a, like a new chapter in Beyonce and like, you know, it really meant a lot to me when it came out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. This is my biggest memory. Yes. You know, I was out and about on campus mm-hmm. all day. You know, just looked like a normal college campus. I returned to my dorm. Uh, went on iTunes, as I'm, you know, want to do. Saw that the, uh, like, there was a new Beyonce album for sale. And, like, I wasn't really, like, on team Beyonce yet. I wasn't yet on the train. Like, I respected her and I never, like, actively hated her. But, you know, I wouldn't call myself a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I was like, all right, that's cool. You know, so I did my thing and then I went back on campus and it was a goddamn ghost town. <laughs> <laughs> just like, there are just like noticeably fewer people and like my, you know, like granted it's the winter and at night uh, in, in New York, but like mm-hmm. also I have to believe that a good chunk of that campus was just in their dorms listening to this album. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this album was like everywhere after it came out. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 I mean, like, you know, obviously there's the novelty of the surprise release, but, and, you know, there's some other reasons we'll be getting into later, but <laughs> it, it, it was definitely like a, a very clear, definable moment. Like this album dropping, it was like, oh shit, everything yeah. stopped. Yeah. yeah. And we cannot yeah. forget the fondest memory of all, which is when <laughs> Sanchez and I and some friends desperately tried to get Garth to love drunken love as much as we did. We would play it all the time while getting ready to go out or just hanging out in the dorm. And I mean, we tried, we tried really hard. Did we succeed? Did we succeed in making you love the song Garth? Mm. Uh, I'm glad you asked Butler. No, you fucking didn't. (laughs) Um, So, okay. Here's my memory. Okay. Yeah. The album comes out kind of towards the end of the semester. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all go home for Christmas and, you know, live our separate lives and all that. Then we come back to campus. Uh, and by then, like, kind of the memes had started and, you, you know, the, the sort of the cultural impact of the album. And uh, just drunken... <laughs> just drunken white women running across my campus like all saying like boy i'm drinking i'm, I'm, I'm not gonna do the accent uh fair <laughs> i think that's a good choice yes it, it 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 filled my heart with loathing and sadness and then like you know it's like oh, all right well i've been on campus all day and i've heard people say boy i'm drinking like you know 80 billion times let's go get a reprieve and so then I'd go back to my dorm building where, you know, I, I lived in a building with both the Chelsea's here mm-hmm. and it was just more, boy, I'm drinking. <laughs> I think we sang more than just that line, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember a lot of surfboard. Yes. Oh, yeah. Surfboard. Surfboard. So much surfboard. I just have a strong memory of you. Like I, we came home, I'm sure this happened more than once, but like, you know, coming home and being like, Garth, will you take us to Taco Bell? Because <laughs> no like everyone was really drunk and you'd be like, fine, I'll take you to Taco Bell. So then we'd get in the car and we'd go to Taco Bell and we would just play Drunk in Love all the way to Taco Bell and we would all sing and you would be so mad, but you would take us to Taco Bell. Yes. Cause you're a yes, good friend. 
a very good friend. Yeah, you see, yeah. I drive you to Taco Bell. Or Duncan. I drive into this fucking city to be here. Yeah. Just... But I bet you didn't listen to Drunken Love on the I, No, I did not listen Maybe to. you shut up. You definitely Maybe shut up. Should have. I feel like I remember it... us playing it a bunch at your New Year's party that year also. Mine? No, Sanchez's. Oh. I mean... In 2014? Probably. Yeah. Did I have a New Year's party in 2014? I'm pretty sure you did. I probably. So. That probably happened. I, I'm pretty sure every party that I either hosted or went to played that song at least three times. Yeah, I don't so. think people <laughs> stopped playing the song until Lemonade came out. Yeah, pretty much. Probably. Yeah. And still it yeah, persists because but... we still love it. Surfport. Yes, you guys <laughs> yes, still love surfboard. it. Surfport. <laughs> I, listening to it in 2021... Still don't particularly care for it, but I don't know if that's on merit or just you guys ruining it. So, uh, I think it's just that you're like you're not around us as much when we're getting ready to go out because we all live in like separate places. So like you haven't heard it on rotation in our like getting ready playlists as much. So fair. There's also that. Fair. Yeah. Well, speaking of um, or while Garth is speaking of things that he doesn't like. <laughs> Let's talk about some things that are great, um, which are Beyonce's kind of creative progression, um, which we talked about a little bit last week as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so this album goes kind of even further in the direction of like Beyonce independence, like doing what she wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, you know, in control of a lot of the business and the promotion um, slash, you know, the lack of it because it was like a surprise album that dropped at midnight. There's a lot of stuff that um, we see in this album that we haven't really before Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this album is like pretty sexually explicit. Mm-hmm. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, very political slash feminist. Also great. Yes. Yep. Um, and also very personal kind of regarding her, um, her personal life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like now we know that Beyonce has more control, not just on the music end, but the business end and the marketing end as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one part that I definitely enjoyed was the shitting on record labels, which mm-hmm. I don't think would happen in a previous Beyonce album. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, granted, she didn't go out of her way to say like, you know, fuck Columbia mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, or just like kind of like record labels in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely enjoyed that table there. Um but yeah, like the the sexual explicitness, like you know, she made sexy songs before, but never like Monica Lewinsky on my dress. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are uh, a lot of lines like that too. Where yeah, like I yeah. As somebody who uh, grew up Protestant, uh, I was quite scandalized by. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, like again, this was my first Beyonce album, and so you know, I was. I, I still kind of felt like I was above pop music at this point. So like I went into it being like, well, this is just going to be a bunch of shallow dance. me, uh, And then the opening song is pretty hurts. Mm. So um, that's, that, that was kind of like my first like, okay, maybe there's something here. Um, and yeah, now that I've sort of listened to all the other Beyonce albums that come before it, I definitely appreciate the more the the, the sexy stuff mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, because I'm a man and it makes me horny. 
Wow. Okay. Well, I definitely think that Partition was a song for horny women, but sure, yeah. Garth, good for you. As long as you can yeah. appreciate, that's good. Yeah. Appreciating the female gaze is yes. always uh, <laughs> supported on this podcast. Yes, slugs <laughs> and the female gaze. Yes, always good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you, you know, you could tell there was like a, a little some a little something magical here going mm-hmm. on you know with um all of the stuff that we've already kind of mentioned and yeah i mean it just makes for like a really great interesting album mm-hmm. yeah and like again going back to sort of my expectations of it it wasn't like the just the sexuality stuff either it was sort of the personal stuff and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know I, my sort of perception of pop music at the time is like oh it's just so assembly line you know it never gets real or anything like that and then like yeah this album gets pretty pretty real mm-hmm. yeah um and yeah like i it, it didn't really occur to me before that like an experience like this could happen in the form of pop music and i think like you can generally argue that like this is the moment that i sort of jumped aboard pop okay like, mm-hmm. I, I definitely liked pop before mm-hmm but I didn't consider myself like an active pop fan. And like now when a big pop album comes out, like I'm going to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted that's, you know, this album had a lot of impact on all the pop going forward. And we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Um, it's like giving talented people creative freedom is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting. You bring up like how personal the record is because something that I think a lot of people praise it for is, She's going through a time period right now where she's being much more open about her personal life to the public in general. She's always been very, very private. And she's got a lot of things happening right now that we're going to talk about in a little bit that just sort of like expose a lot of like her inner workings and a lot of things that she usually keeps very close to the vest. She's got like two songs on here in particular that really sort of like speak to what's going on in her marriage, for example. They are um, Jealous and Mine and... Um, they're just I think they're just really really interesting to listen to especially once you're li- when you're listening to them now and like we know everything that's happened and was revealed in Lemonade and like it just gives everything like a new context that maybe she was speaking out on some trouble in her marriage earlier than we thought mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah speaking of mine it's a song that Drake is featured on you know speaking of um, guest verses let's talk about Jay-Z's verse on uh, this album because it's interesting. We've got a line, eat the cake, anime. Some people who listened to it thought he was talking about anime, the Japanese uh, cartoon art. It's not, yes. it's not it. <laughs> um, so specifically uh, on the day this album came out, Vice published uh, something called Live Blogging, <laughs> the new Beyonce album with Kitty Pride, um, which was a live blog that... Um, <laughs> became rather infamous um, where rapper slash singer slash musician Kitty Pride, uh, now known as just Kitty. Um, copyright. Copyright? Yeah, Kitty Pride is an X-Men. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Good good job. Um, whoopsie doodle. <laughs> um, but anyway, she kind of live blogged her own reactions to uh, the self-titled album. And the whole thing is very cringy and really embarrassing for a lot of reasons, mostly kind of like Vice 2014 reasons, which is, <laughs> you know, Vice in 2014 was inherently really embarrassing. 
Um, <laughs> just channeling the energy of just drunk white douchebags, which is yeah, just uncut. She, she was like, I forget which song it was, but she was like, this song reminds me of this level of Mario where I couldn't beat it. It was so hard. That was super, um, that was superpower. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, you know, pretty cringy all around, but, um, yeah. So she has a whole part, um, where she talks about drunken love and, uh, she kind of infamously confused the line, um, eat the cake anime with eat the cake anime, which Butler already explained. Um, and it was not taken well at the time. Um, yeah, how, how did the uh, those POC blogs feel about? They did not like it. They did not like it. They were pretty, <laughs> I, pretty, pretty I, unhappy. With I that. wonder why. I what? Yeah, yeah. Big surprise. It's because like the whole vice attitude of like, hey, you don't be fucking funny. What if we just have Katie Prime drunkenly live blog her reaction to your album? <laughs> well, it's also just like let's go to Brooklyn do some coke. Kitty Pride is white, a white <laughs> woman, I believe. Yes. Yes. Am I correct? I'm correct in that, right? Okay, so. I mean, it's just very, like, someone didn't understand the reference, a white woman. And um, nobody thought to, I don't know. It's just, it's very of the time, I think. Um, and the reaction was, uh, you know, negative. And, um, yeah, I bet. Yeah. Do, do you remember anything like specifically the POC blog said? Or I mean, or, they were both mostly just like, or why is it just dunking they, on this person? It was or just dunking on her. Mostly dun, just dun. being like, this is well. Actually, so I mean, I think you know, because when you take the separate like the stupid Vice article stuff about like like away from the line itself, the line itself is a little like not super cool. Yeah. No, it's not um, cool at all. It's from yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's the complicated thing about this whole conversation. Is like on one hand, you can bag on Kitty Pride for making that mistake, but on the other hand, uh, it is a domestic violence joke. Yeah, um, yeah. And not not to lessen that, but uh, I should state for the record that when I first heard that line, uh, because and this says more about me than anything else, mm-hmm. uh, I did interpret it as jay asking beyonce to eat his ass uh, mm, <laughs> um, okay. and so like my my feelings i was like wow what a what a sexually progressive uh stance for jay-z to publicly take he's, <laughs> he's sort of uh, destigmatizing uh anal pleasure um but but then it, yeah and then like i don't remember like the moment that i realized what he was actually saying no, and then, but like, I do remember that, like, once it hit me, I was just like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Garth, I am, you are a dumbass. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember it yeah. hit me. It hit me as soon as, at first, I didn't understand what he was saying because he kind of mumbles it. But then he said, mm-hmm. I'm Ike. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I just exactly, blocked out that part. Yeah. Because I've seen the, the Tina Turner biopic uh, a fair amount of times because it's quite good and underappreciated. But it's also like that scene is infamous for when he like slams that cake in her face. So I was like, oh, yeah. oh no. I immediately pictured it. I was like, no, Jay-Z, what have you done? Yeah. Why? Why would she allow this? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's the, the, the biopic she's referring to, by the way, is what's love got to do with it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, this joke is is trash. Um, but you know, it's also kind of weird. Like, it, cause this is the this is the album right before Lemonade too, and it's they're definitely like 
elements. We of. we have jealous, which is like a, you know a forewarning of Becky with the good hair. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Or we've got I never broke one promise, and I know when you're not honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just a little. And then in mine, mm-hmm. in mine, she literally says, "I'm not feeling myself since the baby. Are we even gonna make it?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like as far as like the music is concerned, I think the only kind of forewarning that there was sort of any trouble in the marriage it was actually a Jay Z song, and uh, I think this was like before they were married technically. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jay Z's first album when he came out of quote unquote retirement was Kingdom Come, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. there's a song on there called Lost One, and the second verse on it is about. Uh, I, I believe, didn't he, like, split with Beyonce for, like, a brief period at one point? Like, very early on in the relationship or something like that? I'm not sure. I don't remember. They're so quiet about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, I, I believe that happened, or I, I have a faint memory of that happening. Mm-hmm. But anyway, like, it's a verse about, like, how, you know, I am of an age and a place in my career where I don't have to worry about, like, constantly working and staying relevant all the time. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I am already... Like I've, I've already conquered mm-hmm. hip hop, you know, like I don't need to be so career focused. I can just do, go and do other things and, you know, become a billionaire or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. Sure. And, uh, be, you know, Beyonce is in her early twenties and, you know, she is still very career oriented. And so it's, it's basically about like how the relationship kind of faltered just because of where they both were in their lives. Mm-hmm. It's really, uh, you know, kind of personal and good first, but, mm-hmm. you know, obviously from his perspective, um, so like that, that's kind of the only glimpse of like, maybe this relationship isn't perfect all the time that I had before listening to this album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that on, on this one, mine is probably the one that speaks to it. That It's like, it's almost the same exact thing that you're talking about for the Kingdom Come song. Cause she talks about how they're going through like breakups and separations. And it's interesting cause they're like, part of the song is also like, you know, why are we stressing out about these little things? We should just get married. So I feel like she's almost speaking to that time period from like when they were breaking up and they couldn't decide before they got married. And she's like, we need to just get over it. We should just get married. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I mean, her opening up so much is it's, it provides good music, but it's also like, you know, it's clearly like a special gift to the audience for her to be so personal with people because she doesn't do that a lot. Um, and this has been probably a really great expressive exercise for her. And uh, the album in general really sort of like catapults her from the megastar that she became with B-Day to like the goddess of pop music uh, and R&B. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like sorts earlier of in the season, we, we talked about like kind of the sort of dangerously in love slash B-Day crossing of the first threshold mm-hmm. being like, this is when you are becoming like a star who could potentially, you know, have some bad singles or whatever and drop off to being like, no, she's going to be around for a long time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like this album, it, it just feels different Yeah, going forward. Like this is kind of where like millennials were already worshiping her, but like this is when we really kind of lost control. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And then like, yeah. just like a kind of like quick side things I mentioned earlier, like how much she's been opening up to people earlier this same year she released a documentary on HBO that is just full of like archival footage and photo and photographs that she's been having filmed since 2005. And it basically covers like 
a sort of like her private life like it's her marriage to Jay-Z it covers the miscarriage that they had it covers her pregnancy and birth with Blue, Blue Ivy and mm-hmm. then it also talks about her split from her father with comes to um the production I mean the recording company mm-hmm. yeah pr- oh, production company was right shoot um yeah. but mm-hmm. yeah he's no longer her manager um and people were already like oh my gosh like so excited about all this new info and they're so excited about blue ivy that's such a big deal and now we've got this and it's like oh my god people just like fell in love with her even more yeah yeah it's it's really interesting that we keep coming back to her being more open because this is also the time she stops giving interviews <laughs> yeah and, mm-hmm. and, and, so, and so like this is this is like her firmly in control of the message. Yes, um, definitely. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, not allowing interviewers to kind of shape whatever. Um, this is like, you know, you know like the the, the the director of the film you're about to talk about mm-hmm. um, is like her in-person guy. And, and so in like, I found an interview with him and, he, and he's sort of talking about like, well, Beyonce really began to understand like what it means to own all of your own media mm-hmm. including like the images of you and like what people know yeah mm-hmm. uh so but yeah it's well it's i mean it's interesting too because this is you know i think maybe a year or two after instagram comes out so this is really the kind of turning point in like pop culture and you know as far as like the paparazzi and kind of tabloids and stuff like this is really around the time where that stuff really finally dies right because um artists are actually able to control their own narrative in a way that they never really were able to before um, and yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting to see how well kind of Beyonce can balance that line of like being very inaccessible mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And then also being able to cultivate her own image because of it. Yeah. It's really interesting. This is also like a specific time when music is beginning to shift. Frank Ocean and Kendrick Lamar and all these kinds of people are putting out massively successful, but also artistically rewarding work. And Beyonce kind of takes that energy and funnels it into pop music. And it's a really big leap forward for pop. Yeah. Like everything that like, you know, your stereotypical record executive was saying, or, you know, what we think he, that person was saying beforehand. And he was like, you got to, you got to literally Lupe Fiasco, you got to dumb it down. Um, and like, yeah, like all these artists are proving that like, you don't have to dumb it down. And like Beyonce was kind of the first person to do that with pop. I'm probably not the first person because we, you know, like we had Gaga, but like even she wasn't really doing it to the extent that she's doing or that Beyonce is doing it. Um, and like, yeah, like I, I think like once we have a little bit more distance from the 2010s, like we're going to think more about how good it was for pop music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I, I, I really kind of think that this is the decade when we stop shitting on it so much. Mm-hmm. Like, we, like, or at least like the millennials, like we stopped like, being like above pop music and really beginning to embrace it yeah and like i think you can make a point that this album is the beginning of that mm-hmm. beyonce in particular putting out an album that's about empowerment and you know all this like as the millennials are sort of entering the job market and have to be, you know become independent and all that like yeah like it, it's not a coincidence that you know this is the album we worship so much well i mean this one in lemonade but yeah. um yeah yeah no for sure um and you know i mean it is like really empowering and it's also you know one of the first 
places where I think like the term feminist was ever like really used like in pop culture. Um, and, you know, I think Gen Z kind of, you know, they are gifted with a lot of very interesting pop music. <laughs> and they're very lucky to have experienced that. But, you know, I mean, before this album, you know, you had a lot of kind of mid 90s, like girl power-esque um, nods towards feminism, but no one ever really talked about it in a, you know, in a way that was more than just kind of vaguely alluding to like the power of ladies and friendship. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And this is, I mean, you know, I think there are some interesting conversations that people have had in the past and probably will continue to on, you know, the idea of like marketplace feminism and what does it mean to take, you know, something that's like ultimately like political, right. And use it to, you know, as a commodity kind of, right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the marketing around this album and, you know, the, songs and the lyrics do kind of, I mean, I think it's more like, it's, it's worth thinking about critically, but I think, you know, people who are very anti, like, hashtag girl boss mm-hmm. also don't really remember what it was like before this album, where like, nobody ever talked about feminism ever. Yep. Um, you know, and, you know, it's, the kind of thing where like, yeah, when you're 12, and you want to, you don't understand why you don't look like Nicole Richie. It's nice to have an album where like, you know, an adult woman is just being like, no, I like to have sex with my husband, and I'm a feminist. And that those are fine. Those things are great. Yeah, exactly. We have a, you know, a feminist icon who's also like, really curvy lady and is like, you know, let's embrace all shapes and sizes and all kinds of women and people. And it's great. Because yeah, then you don't have to worry about trying to be a size zero and look like the simple life so yeah cool exactly yeah also like i guess like the final point like we can sort of make about like why this album is so important like there's really no need to overcomplicate it to a certain extent it's just a really good album yeah yeah um, on that note um favorite songs oh man this was hard so 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 hard <sighs> i think i eventually i think i eventually settled on partition it was so hard. It was really, it was up there between Flawless. It was like, and then I listened to like the Flawless remix with Nicki Minaj again. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. So it's Partition though. It's so good. It's probably like the sexiest song I have heard in a long, long, long time. So Partition yeah. it is. Yeah. I, again, what the, uh, every week I'm like, I'm going to pick a song that nobody else picks um but this this is not that weak uh for for forever it was always flawless but after re-listening i think i'm gonna have to go partition as well yeah uh it's toss-up for me between pretty hurts and jealous interesting Okay. okay good choices um i think pretty hurts is it's, it's important to me for, you know, the reasons I mentioned earlier about, you know, kind of like allowing me or not allowing me, but you, you know, like basically like setting up that I might like this album, but I think on re-listen, uh, I think I'm going to go with jealous. Cool. Um, I just really like jealous. Jealous is good. It is really you good. Know. It's a good song. Yeah. Also like, yeah, like I, I feel like. I want to pick that one just like mostly because like I feel like it's one of the lesser talked about ones. Mm-hmm. At least it seems to me, and so so someone's got to stick up for jealous. So okay. yeah, 
Yeah, I also kind of want to pick Superpower despite Kitty. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I actually do genuinely like Superpower as well. But um, uh, yeah, no, let's go Jealous. All right, cool. Nice choice, cool, cool. Right. Nice choices all around. Yeah, yeah. there's, and, there's uh, no now... bad choices on this album, honestly. Yeah. They're also yeah. good. Yeah, and so uh, now we get to break the pattern of uh, us being bummed out to stop talking about the album. <laughs> to talk about the movie because we're actually talking about a great movie uh, we're talking about homecoming a film by beyonce which is the official full title of the movie yes yay. uh it was released to netflix april 17th 2019 uh it was directed by beyonce heard of her and ed burke uh ed burke according to a 2014 article i found is the visual director at parkwood entertainment yep uh, he was Beyonce's videographer for a long time and shot most, if not all, of her behind-the-scenes docs and you know stuff like that. I'm pretty sure he directed the HBO documentary. I don't remember. Um, yeah, so as a result, all of Burke's previous credits are all Beyonce-related. Uh, but some notable ones, he did the One Plus One video, the Love on Top video, and the Rocket video. Cool. Good stuff. And... Um, as far as uh, Beyonce Knowles, the director, uh, at this point, Beyonce's been pretty heavily involved in the direction of her videos and her behind-the-scenes material and the docs and stuff like that. Uh, specifically, she has some sort of directing credit on most of the B-Day videos. And then I, I think she sort of didn't do the videos or didn't like direct the videos for the Sasha Fierce cycle for some reason. But basically, like everything from four on up, she mostly directed or has some sort of like co-director credit or something like that. And also as a producer, uh, she has credits on her own in-house stuff. You know, again, the behind the scenes and the documentaries and all that. Mm -hmm. Uh, but she's also the executive producer of Cadillac records and obsessed. Oh, (laughs) interesting. So not a, not a, not a great track record there. (laughs) Yeah. Whoopsie. Yes, uh, this was also written by Beyonce. Yes, documentaries have writer credits. Don't worry about it. Uh, it is starring, or wh- whatever we call this in documentary terms, uh, Beyonce, Jay-Z, Kelly Rowland, Michelle Williams, and Solange. Mm-hmm. Also, the French brothers, the twins, <laughs> who are dancers, choreographers, models, and a ton of other titles. Go look mm-hmm. them up, because they are incredibly impressive people. Yeah. Uh, and... We should also be naming every member of like the band and all the dancers and the choir and you know, like all those background people. But sadly, we do not have time for that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, if one of you is by any chance listening to this, you're a star in my book. <laughs> yes, they were all very, very great. So uh, yeah. Homecoming is a concert movie. So there's not really like a traditional plot. Um, but we're going to kind of like go through the essential like storyline of it um basically almost a year before the concert itself Beyonce decided to stage a concert where the theme is homecoming at HBCUs and after a year of rehearsing and planning this concert is the result of all that work this concert being her uh performance specifically at Coachella 2018 um The movie interchanges between the two shows and we can tell which one we're watching based on which of the two costume sets are being worn by Beyonce, as well as her mostly black backing crew, which includes a drumline, steppers, dancers, a band, and more performing on a giant pyramid structure on stage. 
The performances themselves are structured more like movements where the songs kind of fade into one another as opposed to each song being performed one at a time, like a normal concert. Um, so sometimes, you know, in between each movement, there will be an interlude performance, usually consisting of, you know, dancers or the band or something like that. Um, you know, Beyonce does need the time to change her costumes. <laughs> um, and there are also some filmed interludes that kind of break up the performance from time to time. Most of these performances consist of rehearsal footage with Beyonce talking about, you know, topics like how much effort went into the planning, the impact of the show and her career, uh, wait, the impact the show and her career has had on her personal life and vice versa, and the kind of broader meaning behind a lot of the creative choices in the, in the concert. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the show is mostly Beyonce and her backup performers, but Jay-Z comes out to perform his verses on Deja Vu. Kelly and Michelle come out to do some Destiny's Child medleys consisting of Lose My Breath, Say My Name, and Soldier. And Solange comes out to dance along with Beyonce for the extended version of Get Me Bodied, which is so fun. And she has on such a cute it's little so outfit. So I love fun. it. It's so cool. Yeah, it's, it's so good. You know, it's two and a half hours of just like really good family fun. Yay. Yeah. Yay. Wholesome entertainment. <laughs> uh, what, what, what did we all think of the movie? Oh man. I mean It was great. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I've seen this many incredible. times. Yeah. yeah, this is so much fun. It is really fun. It's one of those things that like it's really fun to just like have on to actively watch, but also it's something I feel like I can put on in the background and like do other things and just kind of tune in for like a favorite song here or there or something. Like it's so good and it's so fun to see like the peek behind the scenes of how a stage show is planned. Like, it's really cool to see them, like, getting ready in rehearsal, see them figuring out how to do the costumes, see everybody getting their hair done, and, like, also to see some of, like, the interactions between, like, the backup dancers and the band and everything was just really cool. Yeah, um, this is my second time seeing it, and, uh, yeah, it's pretty fucking incredible from start to finish, mm -hmm. um, you know. Even grumpy old Garth can't summon the, all that much. I mean, I can summon some negativity, which we'll be getting into. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, none of those things have like really any bearing on how I feel about it. Like, you know, like I, I'm, it, it's just not in me to watch it a billion times, but mm -hmm. like I, yeah, like I, incredible. Yeah. Uh, in, in the pantheon of like great concert movies. <laughs> In, in in my personal ranking, I'll probably go third. Hmm. Okay. Uh, quantify it. I, I did see Summer of Soul yesterday. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. And also the Aretha Franklin one, Amazing Grace. Go see that. Cool. But um, yeah. In goddamn incredible. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have what's probably a silly question at this point, but what did we think of Beyonce in this performance? <laughs> Is there anything to say? Not really. I mean, <laughs> yeah. We, we, yeah, it kind we, of we, says we, it all. Yeah, like in the script in the script meeting we had yesterday, we just cut. Did Beyonce slay? Because it's it's yeah. it's, it's a stupid question. Obviously, <laughs> not even worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just move on. She yeah. she obviously did. There's a moment where she like wipes her forehead with like a towel and throws it into the crowd, and a man almost faints because he catches it. Like that's how much she slayed. Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. If if we kept uh, how did she slay? I was gonna make a dumb joke where I was gonna say that guy was the best. Oh, but, um, <laughs> so 
sorry. Uh, <laughs> he was the best though. He was great. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Like as, as someone who is incredibly like emotionally closed off, like I cannot relate to that person. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So we get I, it. Yes, we do. Um, so I believe one of us was actually at this concert originally. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, was I'm here it? to tell you all about it. I wonder who it was. It was me. It was me. It was I got to be was there. there. Yes. I got to be Can there. You describe it. Oh, man. It was amazing. It was my first time going to Coachella. Um, and I went with my little sister. And she, as, as I mentioned before, does not like Beyonce. So <laughs> I watched the Beyonce performance by myself because I couldn't find my other friends. <laughs> Oh. We got oh. we, we got separated because we were in two different groups and they essentially camped out by the front of the stage all day in an effort to be front row for the Beyonce concert. And I think if I remember right, they ended up getting pushed back a little bit because they had to clear the area to finish uh, putting together the stage. Um, mm. Because it doesn't, the way that it's set up, she had like almost little quadrants and, a, and like, you know, a walkway and stuff like that. And that doesn't sit out there all day they put that together mm-hmm. later in the day because other people perform on that stage. Mm, um, that makes sense. Like I'd seen Vince Staples up there earlier that day, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it was amazing. Like the, the guy who fainted was not my weekend, but that is the vibe of the crowd for sure. The whole time that I'm there, like people are so, so into it. Everybody is singing the songs with her. Um, and it was just really nice. I feel like in that size of a crowd, people can get kind of pushy and stuff like that, but it wasn't like that at all. Everybody found mm-hmm. a spot, was very nice, and like just really focused on wanting to like enjoy Beyonce. And the set, like her voice is amazing in person. And also the sound of just like the band, like stomping together or something. Like there's a point where she's talking about like, I want to make sure that that gets recorded. And like, you can hear it live and it's really cool. Um, also, there's a point where she's on that, like, thing that's, like, flying her over the crowd. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, was, I wasn't I was directly below her, but I was very close to, like, that area. She, like, Ooh, she said oh, she wow. almost cool. flew over me. It was very, very Yeah, that, that, was, that, was, cool. that was my next question. Like, where were you in the crowd? There's a point. I, I wrote down the time code. It's, like, 3.36.30 when she's floating over the crowd. I am essentially just off camera. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it was very, very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Now I have an important question. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did you see any white women wearing Native American headdresses? (laughs) No. Or really just any kind of problematic outfits from white people in general? No, I don't think I saw anything particularly problematic from white people. I would say I saw a lot of questionable style choices Mm. that I did not agree with. Mm -hmm. But now if I said. Uh, I don't believe you. <laughs> uh, uh, how, how would you take that? I guess you would call it accusation. I would say that there are so many people there that I could have missed it easily. It's truly okay, so, yeah. so many people. But I also feel like 2014 was like, you know, at least people were like scolding other people at that point yeah. for, you know, cultural appropriation. Oh, yeah, so sure. I could I could see like a noted, you know. Yeah, decline. I mean, yeah, for sure. By that point, like I, I do like every Coachella though. I do see the like summary of like here's photos of white people being problematic at Coachella. So yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that it hasn't like completely disappeared. But, yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm sure that if yeah, there catch me at Coachella. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm sure that if there was something I missed it, but I do distinctly remember like the, the Coachella 
before or like two before one of the Kardashians in particular had been called out for wearing a full on Native American feathered headdress, like as just yeah. like a prop. And she got a yeah. lot of um, heat for it. So I think that people tried to tone it down. Did, mm-hmm. did she, yeah. did one of them attempt to hand you a Pepsi can? No, if I remember right, this is pre Kendall and the Pepsi can. No, yeah, no, really uh, so no, nobody did to try. To I was do just that. being a stinker. <laughs> uh, okay, so so um, you mentioned Vince Staples. Who else did you see? Oh man, I saw Vince Staples. He was really good. I saw SZA. I saw. I just missed Chloe and Holly, but I heard they were really good. I saw Post Malone. Um, and I saw a little bit of Eminem's closing out performance. Uh, I saw um, Jadena. He was great. He was in like a smaller venue too. So I got to be pretty close to him. One of the really cool things about Coachella is like they have all different sizes of stages. So like they'll have some smaller acts in like really small stages where like if you wanted to, you could probably touch them. Like it was really, really cool. Yeah. And then like the bigger stages are where people, they had like Eminem and like Beyonce and they had Post Malone on one of the big stages randomly. He brought out that little yodeling boy from the internet. You guys know who that is. <laughs> yeah. He brought him out and that was pretty funny. Um, and then uh, little, Chance. Little yodeling boy is the new Tupac hologram. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, Chance the Rapper showed up a bunch of times. He did not actually have an official set. He just guested at a bunch of people's stuff, which was really, really cool. Yeah. yeah. I saw Chromio. And, uh, also- mm. Yeah, no, okay, so to get back to the performance, uh, were you there weekend one or two? Weekend one. So I was there okay. for the yellow weekend. Okay. Got it. Gotcha. Yeah, very cool. Did you see the garter? No, slip? I did not see the garter slip. Oh, no. I was not close enough that I would have been able to see something like that, even on the screen, because I don't think that's necessarily something that the what they would have had projected up on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um. I definitely, yeah, I know. I didn't notice any sort of like slip ups. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I, you both have been to music festivals, right? Yes. yes. I went to Bonnaroo in 2011. Um, I got pink eye <laughs> and I got into a huge fight with my two friends who I went with and <laughs> I fell asleep at 8 PM and missed Kanye and Eminem. So. Whoa. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So, mm-hmm. okay. As someone who has not been to a music festival in, uh, due to agoraphobia, or not literally, but <laughs> um, would, would, would I like them? No. No. They are a lot of, I don't like they them. They are a lot of fun, to, in my opinion. I like them, but I know that you would not like them. Like, so I've been to two. I've been to Coachella, as we've mentioned, and then I've also been to Sweet Life, which is like a DC area festival that Sanchez and I we went, went to. together. That was actually fun. Yeah, that we was a, a good one. That was a good yeah. one. It was kind of out in the middle of nowhere. So it was a pain to get to and from there. But when you were actually there, it was a really good time. and The food was good and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And you would not like at Coachella in particular, you would hate all of like the rigmarole you have to go through to like get to and from there. You would not like how much you have to walk to get to and from different performances you would not like having to like choose between two different people you really like to go see them. Cause sometimes that does happen. You would not like the lines mm-hmm. you have to stand in to get food and t-shirts and such. Uh, and you would not like the heat because there are very few areas to go and cool off. Got it. Yeah. yeah. 
Also, everything's like twenty dollars. Yeah, everything's so. pretty expensive. The whole thing is expensive, yeah. really. Yeah, well, I mean, like, yeah. I, I guess, like, I could have guessed the cost stuff. Like, honestly, of all the things you said, like, the one that probably bothers me the most is not having a place to cool off. Like, there, there's nowhere there are off. a few yeah. places. Like, there's a food area that's covered, and then, like, there's different credit card, like, um, lounges you can get into. Like, we, I was able to go and check in, like, the Amex lounge, for example. But, like, that's, that's mm-hmm. those are the places to go cool off. Otherwise, you're constantly buying water because you can't bring in reusable water bottles with you because they're worried you're going to like you carry around alcohol that you didn't pay for at the like the festival cool yeah it's really annoying well, well like and when i went to bonnaroo too that's there was the same thing where you couldn't bring liquids in but then like you could only fill up your water at like certain water they had like you know they had a bunch of water stations but it took took me 30 minutes i think the first day to get like water yeah and like yeah it's just not cool yeah yeah, uh, as someone who is descended from Austrian swamp people and is prone to sunburn and skin cancer, um, I, I feel like it's not my environment. Also, I just, yeah, like, I don't know. I, like, everyone's like, ooh, I'm drunk and now you have to deal with me and I don't want to deal with you. Well, uh, I don't know. I mean, like... most people aren't drunk, to be fair. They're on the other things. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's, I wouldn't say a lot of people were Same drunk. And I think that a lot of the drinking ends up happening more towards the end of the day. Because people are actually very strategic about how they're going to make it through the day. Because again, it's a yeah. long, hot day. The performances go late into the night. And it gets really dusty at night. And you have to do a lot of walking to get from one side, like where the final person of the day is performing, to get to the buses is a long walk. And it's a very dusty walk. And people are not yeah. trying to do yeah. that super drunk. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it just sounds like exhausting in a way that I, I don't think I want to deal with. It is kind it's, of exhausting, but it's very fun. I feel like it would only be really worth it to see Beyonce. Yes, it was very was worth saying. it. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, so I take it you liked the show. Yeah, the show was amazing. Yeah, show was great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Um, well, Garth, is it time to commit some blasphemy? Oh my goodness! Here we go. Yeah, I, I suppose it is once again my, my time to be the villain of this podcast and say some things about the show that I didn't like because I'm grumpy, wumpy Garth. And yeah. Let me just let me just get my fan ready so that I because <laughs> yeah. I know I'm gonna get yeah, heated. Yeah, but what if we had a, a had a fan? <laughs> All right, I'm ready to go. <laughs> All right, nice. And before I I begin, um. Once again, I feel the need to restate that like this did not affect my overall enjoyment of Homecoming at all. I love this movie and I will happily watch it. Cool. Um, these are these are these are nitpick ass nitpicks. <laughs> um. Anyway, one. Uh, did not care for the bugaboos. <gasps> uh, wow. Not, wow. but but what? not like the conception of them, like. I didn't feel like the energy of them matched like what came before and what came after. Like it, it felt wow. it, like, and it might be, wow. to, admittedly it might be an editing problem with the movie mm. or something like that. Wow. Uh, but like clearly like those are all insanely talented dancers on there. And like, I would have preferred a different usage of them. Like I, I really liked the sort of, well, in the documentary, it's black and white. Um, mm-hmm. Nina Simone dance to Lilac Wine. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I feel like that would have been a more sort of 
tonally fitting thing than this sort of like and, and like I, I get that like the at least like the second the sort of introduction like that that's a you know that that's an actual homecoming tradition isn't it say that again that that like the them announcing themselves as like an actual homecoming tradition or something like it's that it's not necessarily a homecoming tradition it's more of like a step tradition so like usually okay. for, for black fraternities at least there's usually a step team and same thing for sororities and when you are inducted into the step you get a name and you have to introduce yourself and you get a nickname and usually you have to do a special dance to um to sort of introduce yourself for people that want to see a sort of like a commercialized version of this that is also still very enjoyable and pretty accurate you can watch stomp the yard good movie got it with columbus short and um yeah no i think it's it's funnily enough like the lilac wine dance is the piece that probably fits the overall theme the least um because it's not it's like it's it's a ballet sort of and they only show a short amount of it in the actual homecoming film uh but the, yeah, it did feel a little rough yeah mm-hmm. but the you have to have a step team if it's going to be hbcu themed you cannot not have that yeah mm-hmm. I, I guess and the bugaboos were great it, i thought that they yeah, were great i, I, I think I, they were great yeah. i disagree with I, I, I also um should state for the record that like nina simone is probably my favorite artist of all time and i am biased yeah yeah Fair. Um, but it, I mean, it, it yes. is, it was good, but I don't know. My, my only response would be like, when I was watching it, I wish that they had used the yellow, like the, the bugaboos from the first weekend, because I thought that they were a little bit better, but, and also mm-hmm. I'm a little biased because I thought one of them was much hotter, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's me. Important. Uh, it, very yeah. important, especially like substantial. <laughs> he was the tall one with the pink hair. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I, again, I, I think that it's something that you really, really have to use and it's got utility also because all of their names are based around Beyonce songs. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. the songs they didn't perform, right? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, uh, my number two is for an admittedly, uh, kind of obtuse reason, uh, I did not like the DJ Khaled drop. Oh. Really, Mm -hmm. like, two reasons. One, like, the more substantial one is it's the only thing that dates the show. Okay. I guess. Uh, And the other thing is that, like, I feel like we didn't need his help to, like, that Coachella would have been called Baychella no matter, like, what happened. So, like... I mean... Yes? I was just going to say, people were definitely calling it Baychella before the dj Khaled drop but yeah mm-hmm. i think like sure it dates the show but it also dates it in a way that's like dj Khaled was super popular for doing those sorts of things at the time so i'm not surprised that she did that and also it got the cl- the crowd really hype yeah yeah i think it's fine yeah i don't mind it uh, the third thing is that i feel like destiny's child got short shrift mm. uh Rather than three songs, I wanted five. Now, I know that it is unreasonable to expect that, like, two members of her former group who have their own lives and responsibilities are going to, you know, rehearse for a year with Beyonce, which is the reason I suspect that they only got three songs. Um, But I still wanted more, and uh, I I felt like this happened with the Super Bowl performance, too. Mm -hmm. Like, like they, they just sort of, like... It's like it's it's always incredible when like they reunite Destiny's Child, 
but then it always feels like okay we're just gonna do like uh, two songs and then like they're gonna dip and like in, in the super bowl performance like they even like performed a beyonce solo song rather than another destiny's child song and like i don't know like i i feel i feel like it feeds into my insecurity of like how we are kind of giving short shrift to kelly and michelle Hmm. I mean, I definitely could have had more Destiny's Child, but because you know, when when can you not have more Destiny's Child? Um, I, I agree that it's probably not super reasonable to ask you know two people to come in and like rehearse for like a, a year for something that's you know about somebody else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, you know, can never have enough. Beyond, um, sorry, can never have enough Beyonce. Can never have enough Destiny's Child. Yeah. I mean, I would have loved to have seen more, but you know. Yeah. I'm with Sanchez on it. It's like, sure, it would have been nice to have more. But again, it's a Beyonce show and it was also a surprise. So it's kind of like people are there to see Beyonce that you get the surprise of Destiny's Child, which is great. But also like, I don't know. I think I would have preferred maybe like different song choices. Soldier's not my favorite yeah, song. Yeah. But I think that three is just about right for all the cameos she had because she's got Jay-Z coming on. She has, like, all of the other um, sort of, like, interludes that are just, like, her band for her music. And she has a full dance with Solange as well. Like, it's a lot of cameos and surprises for one show that can only be so long, you know? All right. Well, th- those are those are my three... Grievances? N- yeah. Nitpicks? Thank you, Garth. <laughs> You're welcome. Appreciated. DJ Khaled. <laughs> we the best. Beyonce has talked a lot about why she chose HBCU homecomings as her theme in the documentary. It's a homecoming of sorts to performing after giving birth to twins. It instills a sense of black camaraderie. It's sort of a wish fulfillment. As she says, she w- she wanted to go to an HBCU, but instead, you know, she became a massively famous singer um, and didn't get to finish school. Um, and also I think she mentioned that her dad went to an HBCU and it just creates a massive safe space for black people and so on and so forth. And it's an homage to like how important homecomings are for celebrating your school and its history and how proud you are of it. Um, mm-hmm. But what else does it do for us, Garth? Yes, the, the other people. <laughs> um, well, for me, like uh, all three of us went to a sort of irony poisoned uh, liberal arts establishment. Yes. Uh, and it allowed me to vicariously live out the experience of like being proud of your school. Mm-hmm. Um, because not, not a lot to be proud. I mean, like there's the name Sarah Lawrence, if that means something to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but like, I don't know. It's just like the people there are, you know, y- y- your hipster sorts, but yeah. So like I was watching homecoming. I was just like, Oh wow. Like the, the, this is what being proud of your school feels like. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. And like, also just from like an aesthetic standpoint, like even if there wasn't, uh, like a a greater significance to the theme, which there is and should not be like ignored, but like, even if like none of that means anything to you, just like, I just really, really, really love the kind of, um, like, like a lot of the sort of music aesthetic that having that theme allows you to have in the first place. Like I love kind of like marching band stepper sounds and you know stuff like that. 
Um, and it allows for like really interesting reinterpretations of Beyonce songs, but mm-hmm. with like, you know, like different instrumentations and different paces and like different kind of aesthetic choices and stuff like that. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we talked, um, uh, I believe in the last episode about I Care. We did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And like, yeah, like the, the, the sort of like backing band version of I Care sounds so fucking good in this concert. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, so, like, so like, like stuff like that. And it was so yeah. good live too. Like you could feel like the ground shaking because of the bass. It was so good. That's incredible. Yeah. 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 And it, yeah, just like having those snares and like those marching drums. It's like, it's, it's such a fucking good aesthetic. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and like having that theme allows for that to happen. Yeah. It's a real um, solid theme. Yeah, and uh, you know, not to get overly simplistic, but it's it's just a really fun aesthetic. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is really fun. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, just just like having the Greek letters everywhere, and you know, like the mm-hmm. stuff with the costumes and like the stepper outfits, and you, you like it, it's it's just like a lot of fun and like it's just a really kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it feels like a celebration. It, yeah, which like, is great. Like, yeah, it definitely. Does. It has substance and is fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like the way that she kind of like put her own twist on things. Also, like. She has a drum line, but she's got like a really prominent woman in the drum line. And then like she has the dancers, but the dancers are also acting as drum majors, which I feel like traditionally you mostly see male drum majors. And it was just really great to see like an all female version of that. So it's like there's lots of different layers. And she's also putting her own like female empowerment twist on it because they also have that whole thing where like they kind of like dominate the bugaboos, (laughs) which is, which Mm -hmm. is really cool. How do we feel about the eight millimeter aesthetic? Uh, so, for context sake, if you're one of the the lowly people who has not seen Homecoming, first of all, how dare you? Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> second of all, okay, um, all of the sort of documentary portions of this movie, the the filmed interludes that are between the performances, are filmed with or at least made to look like they were filmed in an eight millimeter aesthetic, mm-hmm. you know, with, with like those sort of thinner aspect ratio and stuff like that. And the footage looks grainy. And mm-hmm. um, so how do, how do we feel about that? I guess I can start. Mm-hmm. Um, my feelings were a little mixed because on one hand, like doing the eight millimeter thing, it, it's, it's a little hipstery, a little played out, a little, Whatever. Or at least or at least like I'm just used to seeing it because again I went to school with hipsters and <laughs> they were all obsessed with it. Uh but on the other hand, like I think it makes the concert footage really stand out. And uh I, I think it does add a little bit of like you know, like a lot of the point of the interstitial documentary stuff, it's supposed to kind of instill the sense of like family and camaraderie with, you know, all the backup dancers in the band and you know, all the backup people and all that and like making it feel like a home shot, like family video. Uh, like it, it definitely like adds to that feeling mm-hmm. effectively. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So like, that's why I was cool with it. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what do you guys think? I really liked it for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. I like the fact that it brings like a home movie element to it. And I think that like, it also brings sort of a history look to it because a lot of the things that she's bringing in, like the quotes from past historical figures speaking at HBCUs, it's really like, I like the the connection there of like making the footage look kind of like a little old, um, 
I think kind of like helps tie the themes a bit together. And also like there's such a big thing about homecoming is really a celebration of history and school history. So I think that like having that element added into it is nice. I think if you separate out like the hipstery kind of like trying to ruin it, it's like a really cool aesthetic that I really like. So I'm glad that she went with it. And I feel like it's a, it's an aesthetic she really kind of likes and she uses a lot. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a. It does feel a little like it, like Instagram circa twenty fourteen to me. Yeah, that's, um, that's kind of what I was hinting at. Yeah, but I mean, I think it works for all of the reasons that, like, you know, you both have presented. Um, and I think it's it's the kind of thing where it's like I don't know if there's like a good like alternative choice to the choice that they made that would kind of do the same thing. It's just it it's kind of a shame that it does feel a little you know a little dated. Yeah. But I, overall, I still enjoyed it. And I think the footage itself is really interesting. Um, it kind of more than makes up for it, really. Yeah. And like I guess like one more point we can make is that like, you know, one of the last things Beyonce talks about in her voiceover is, you know, the desire to like leave behind something that Blue is going to see in, in, in you know, all, all of her other children mm-hmm. and be like, you know, she can be proud of this. And so like if you if you think about it from the perspective of, you know, uh, being about sort of leaving stuff for Blue and how like Blue is going to interpret the world. Like Jay Z would later get into this with the Family Feud music video. Um, yeah, like it, it makes it look like a home shot movie, but like instead of you know watching your old you know old family super mil- eight whatever. Yeah. Like it, it's basically like the grandiose Netflix version of doing that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, like it works, and you know. Maybe the, like the best way to think about it is not like, you know, it, it it's hipstery for Beyonce to do that so much as hipsters need to stop stealing from Beyonce and just let her have the fucking film. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Hipsters yeah. need to there stop trying to ruin things for Beyonce. Yeah, don't ruin things for Beyonce. Yeah, think about Beyonce first. <laughs> All right, um, um, let's talk about <laughs> costumes. Yes, let's do it. Yeah. Her costumes are so good. Oh my gosh. They were all incredible, um, starting from the beginning where she kind of walks in with this like Nefertiti inspired, inspired outfit. She's got like this cane and she's like walking in and she looks really cool. Yes. Um, and then we've got the hoodie and shorts, which are pink and yellow to kind of, you know, break out the two different weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got, I, I count this as a costume, although I don't know if everyone does. Um the Ivy Park athleisure that she wears for all of the eight millimeter stuff. Oh, for all the rehearsal. I love that she is yeah. only oh, ever. I was, was going to ask yes, where she Only ever yeah, in uh, Ivy Park. Some really, only in some Ivy really Park. solid branding. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. And they're, you know, all cute pieces too. Makes me want to go spend like, you know, $500 on Ivy Park. <laughs> I agree. Always. Um, and then we have the leather outfit. Oh man. Um, yes. The ball main pieces. Very good. The black Very leather good. for like partition, good stuff. Yeah, perfect. Um, we'll talk about the wardrobe malfunction later. Yeah. Um, then we have the kind of like pink sweater dress thingy slash black mesh crop. Oh yeah, those were fun. Yeah, really yeah. fun. I love that um, that tunic, the pink one with the sparkles with her um, BAK um, logoing on it. Same thing with the um, black mesh look. Very fun stuff. Yeah, both look very good. I loved, I kind of loved the shoulder pads too on the pink sweater dress. Yeah, that's a cute look. Yeah, it was a very good choice. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we have the kind of camo one shoulder 
And then the other weekend is this like sparkly top thingy with like a tie kind of thingy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and both of those uh, match the Destiny's Child outfits for like each respective weekends. Mm. I thought, this might be a hot take, I think Beyonce looks way better than either Kelly or Michelle. You know... I think her costume looks way better. We have talked about this a lot, about like when she is in Destiny's Child, how she definitely... Like everybody has a very specific look, right? And Beyonce always gets like what is probably the star look, which which in this case is sort of like a bodysuit look. And then Mm -hmm. Kelly is always sort of like the sexy, sporty one. So like she got like shorts and a cute crop top to show off like her muscles and everything and then michelle over the years has gotten more and more conservative so she because mm-hmm. she's she's always been like kind of a, a religious person but now i think if i remember right she mostly sings christian gospel music so she's in mm-hmm. a much more covered up sort of like it's still like a fun look but it's much more covered up and conservative for her views um mm-hmm. but she still came out to do the dances you know it's great uh you know so speaking though of Beyonce at all different sizes a big part of yeah. this documentary is ta- her talking about how she you know was gonna headline Coachella but then she um got pregnant with the twins and she ended up being around 218 pounds at her heaviest and once she had the twins she realized she only had like a year to get back into what she considers sort of like concert shape and she went on this insane workout and diet routine to help her get down to I don't think she ended up saying her final weight but to my memory there was like a piece saying that she wasn't you know she felt like she was in much better shape but she still wasn't really down to like the weight she wanted to get to but anyway the diet was specifically no bread carbs sugar dairy meat I thought she was allowed to eat fish, but maybe not fish or alcohol. So there's like mm-hmm. a moment where she's like, basically she's just eating an apple. And it's like, that's, that's it. That's, that's what she can eat. She could eat fruit and probably raw mm-hmm. vegetables. Yeah. And th- th- this diet uh, includes literally everything I eat. <laughs> it's everything a lot of people eat. Um, so I, it really makes me wonder like, what in the world was she really eating? Um, mm-hmm. I guess it's sort of like a, she sort of went on like the, the caveman diet a little bit, but not really. Um, and then, so for exercise, she is obviously rehearsing, but then she's also doing stairs and soul cycle. And there's like moments where you see her doing an extra workout, I think in her home gym where she's doing like ropes and like stretching. And she talks about how like the pregnancy, like your organs literally get pushed out of like the, their normal spaces when you're pregnant, especially with twins. And you just, well, she had a C-section too, didn't she? Yeah, she had a C-section. So there's extra recovery from that. Your organs yeah. are all out of place and you're like, your body is trying to sort of like just get back to like a base level. Your hormones are all over the place. Like there's a moment where somebody is like literally helping her kind of like try to push her muscles back into space because they're kind of spasming. And it's like, it's so wild that she's going through all of this. Yeah. 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 So two points I would like to bring up here. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. One is when this, I didn't watch this like immediately when it came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing I heard about with this movie is the diet. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Because like everyone was freaking out about the mm-hmm. diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, um, it's an insane diet and probably not worth it. <laughs> I mean, she, she obviously she looked fantastic, but like I would consider, I mean, look, I'm not a dietitian. I am not a doctor. You should not be listening to me. Uh, but the it sir, certainly seems like that diet plus that exercise regimen was probably a little dangerous and unsustainable. And yeah, just 
not good. Definitely unsustainable because she says she's never doing that again. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was like phew, okay, yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, I because the thing I was kind of worried about is just like um, I didn't know she was going to say that she's not going to do it again, and so like the thing I was worried about is like okay, well now other people are going to do this. And then she's like, okay, well, if Beyonce's not going to do it, then nobody else should. So <laughs> good. Um, yeah. No one should do this. Yeah. Um, don't, don't do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like not, not, not a particularly like substantial point to like, yeah. adult here. it's just it's like, not do, do not do this diet. Yeah. Like, 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 you know, like I deprive myself of soda for a day and I am just an insufferable grumpy piece of shit. And so, and so, like, I, I sort of, like, am, am very curious about, like, what she was like when they were not filming her. Probably really tired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah just, just, Probably just tired and, like, yeah. grouchy and fucking yeah. just, like, yeah, like, if, if you thought I came into this podcast hot about these, <laughs> it's, like, imagine, like, me not eating sugar or fucking carbs for however many times, like. Yeah, I, 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 just just from like a, a mood standpoint and like a health standpoint, like crazy diets, bad idea. Bad idea. Yeah. yeah. Uh, should I move on? Yes. yes. All right. Um, songs that were left out. So, um, again, this is my second time seeing this movie, and now that I've listened to all of, I have now listened to all of Beyonce's music, including the Destiny's Child stuff. Um, what stood out to me a little this time around was what was left out. Um, so I've, I've got here a quick list of songs. I'll just rattle through them. Uh, we got in you know roughly chronological order. Uh, we got Naughty Girl, Upgrade You, Ring the Alarm, Irreplaceable, which was technically she performed a line or two. But uh, If I Were a Boy, Halo, Sweet Dreams, Video Phones, School and Life, Best thing I never had. One plus one. Haunted daddy lessons. Um, so my best guess for why these songs didn't make the cut is that I, I, I see a lot of ballads on this list, and I don't think like the ballads. Like I, I think like this concert is mostly her performing like the big energetic, you know, like dancey singles. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think there's sort of a, a clash in tones of, like, you know, performing these slow songs along with these, uh, you know, fast ones. And she, she does get some slow ones in there. Like, she did uh, Me, Myself, and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's probably just, like, an energy not matching thing. And, like, you know, you have to, because she's doing, like, the movements as opposed to, like, the songs. Like, it's probably difficult to, you know, transition between some of those songs to others. Yeah, and, like, obviously, you know, you only have a certain amount of time. Things have to get cut. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it's kind of crazy that they didn't do Upgrade You. (laughs) Like, that that song is begging to be marching band. Oh, maybe. Like, like, like that backing beat, like, literally sounds like horns to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Also, just, like, a very kind of upbeat song. You get Jay out again or something, you, you know, like. Okay, I can see that. Also, ring the alarm, but I, I think that uh, ring the alarm is hard because she's literally screaming. Yeah. And, like, yeah. You know, you, you have to take care of your voice, and, like, doing that song 
at any point in the show probably <laughs> takes away from being able to perform other songs. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like, I've just performed this massive concert for the last like hour and 50 minutes. I'm going to end with what? Ring the alarm and scream, and scream at all of you. Yeah. I mean, uh, as someone who doesn't like ring the alarm, I was perfectly okay with that. Okay. Choice, but yeah, I do like ring the alarm, but I like it too, uh, but I feel like it probably wasn't big enough to make the cut. That's sort of like my, my thing with like a lot of these, I feel like, some of these songs don't feel like they were like big enough hits for her to want to include them in the performance. The only one mm-hmm. that maybe surprises me a little is maybe like Haunted or Halo. But then she also like had some songs like that. So I was like, okay, I get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure it's a, it, I mean, that's the problem with Beyonce, right? Where she's so famous and she has so many hits that like, there are like she has to cut things that are actually huge hits yeah which is you know rare for an artist yeah like i I guess like the biggest song on here that she didn't really do was irreplaceable Mm -hmm. yeah um now i would imagine that that one probably got left out for energy slash you know music transition reasons yeah Mm -hmm. um but i mean yeah there's a there's a part of me that wonders uh what if we replaced Diva with Upgrade You. Mm. If we just did that. Mm. That could have been interesting. Yeah. Just not do Diva. What if we all just collectively forgot about Diva? She <laughs> likes Diva. Yeah. What can it's I say? Specific. She likes Diva and it was it was a popular song. <laughs> the only thing I guess I'll note is like some of these songs the Bugaboos did shout out. Like they shouted out If I Were a Boy and Sweet Dreams. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Yeah. But you actually bring up an interesting avenue of thought, Butler, uh, which is, like, do we think that there are, like, big singles from Beyonce that she personally doesn't like? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, you know, like, there, there is a history of, like, artists hating their biggest singles. Um, all right. So do we want to talk about the guests? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Did, okay, so for guests, uh, we have Jay-Z, Kelly and Michelle for the Destiny Child bit, and um, Solange. Did the guests do a good job? Sure. I think of the group, yeah. Jay-Z has, like, the least to do. Because he doesn't have to go out and do yeah. a dance number and get in a costume. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the Jay-Z stuff was the weakest out of the three. But not really, like, because Jay-Z did a bad job. More just that, like, you know, Kelly and Michelle, like you said, had more to do. Yeah. I also wish, like, as... And Solange. I guess I wish that they had, like, done something together, too. Like, I feel, if you're going to do Deja Vu, I want to see you guys do it together. Or you should do Bonnie and Clyde or something like that. Like, come on. Yeah, that was my point. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen Bonnie and Clyde. That would have been fun. And also upgrade you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Drew. <laughs> they could have done um, the songs that they do. I don't think 444 was out yet. Um, no, I don't think in so. 2018? Maybe. Maybe not. Yeah, I, I don't remember the precise year on that. I, I love that album, though. Um, mm-hmm. Uh... She's on a song. It's not considered one of Jay's best, uh, but she's a, she's on a song in Kingdom Come um, called Hollywood. Mm-hmm. We could have done that. I don't know. Got to be her songs. Having having him come yeah. out for one song is kind of odd in hindsight, but yeah. you know, it, it, it's about Beyonce. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say he's around, and you know, she needs a costume yeah. change. So why not use yeah. him? What yeah. else does he do? <laughs> yeah, he's not gonna do a costume change. Yeah. You, you do get to see him do a costume change in a movie we're talking about later, but um, yeah. 
more on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so curious about your guys' thoughts on that movie. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kelly Michelle, obviously great. Killed obviously it. great. Doing a great job. Yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought Solange was really great too. I just yeah. seemed like such like so cute the dance they yeah, did together. It was it was so fun. I liked her outfit yeah. too. Like the whole thing was really good time. Yeah, it was cute. And then I, there's this one part where they like hug and then they kind of fall over. And I don't know if that was on purpose or not, but it was very, I don't know, it was just, like, very endearing to I me. I think it was an yeah. accident, and it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I can probably guess why, like, Solange doesn't want to do a Beyonce collabo or vice versa, but, mm-hmm. like, I, I I want more of them together. Yeah. I am big fans of both of these people, mm-hmm. purely out of selfish musical desire. Um see at the table so goddamn good mm-hmm. but, the table was very good uh mm-hmm. but yeah yeah it, it would have been nice to have solange sing something but at least she's there and i will take her in any form I can yeah get. definitely mm-hmm. but for now nice. i think it's time for segments guys Ooh, yay segments yay it is seg- my favorite podcast <laughs> and yours <laughs> It is segments time, and as usual, we begin with my segment, which is the nitpick corner. I can nitpick many things. It was very, very hard to nitpick this one. Garth came up with some that I argued were not valid, so I'm like, you know, (laughs) you gotta try here. And honestly, I think I only have two very small ones. The first one is, I think that the gravel on that they added, like the filter they added on Beyonce's narration is a little strong in like the it's like Mm kind of hard to understand her in some places um i watch a lot of things with like subtitles these days because i get lazy so that helped but like yeah the gravel's a bit much and then the other one is something that i mentioned earlier was i I wish that they had chosen the uh performance by the yellow bugaboos from weekend one over the pink ones just because i thought that the bugaboos were more interesting and better in that one and then that's kind of it guys this it's pretty good there's not a lot to say here it's also like there's not like a plot Hello. hole like in yeah. mind, you know. So right, mm-hmm. yeah. That's that's the nitpick corner. Thank you for joining. It's been fun. What? Yeah. Very good. Also, I would like to add to the nitpick. Oh, corner. Uh-oh. uh, don't do crazy diets once again. All right. Yes. More social commentary from the nitpick corner, but this time from yeah. this <laughs> time coming again. Yeah, it guard. emerges. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So now it is time for Sanchez's butthole and those blackie strips those black strappy thingies that detached from the top of her boots at around the one hour, 20 minute mark, specifically during the hente, a song I'm very glad they included, but come on yes. next time. Maybe let's bring out the people that you did it with. Just saying yes. uh, that Garth thinks weren't supposed to corner. You're talking about the garters, right? I am talking about what I now know to be called garters. Come on, yes. Mr. Garters. Yes. Garters. Look, I, I wear, I wear jeans and band t-shirts. Yeah. I'm not going to know what garters Whatever. are. Whatever. I feel like that's a thing garters. that comes up, yeah. you know, fairly often. I don't know. Should we, pull, know. Should we pull other people in the I don't know. Weren't no, you? I you were a teenage no boy at one point. Didn't you somehow become interested in, like, what are the fancy thingies women wear that I like thing? But... Yeah. Did you ever rent a DVD <laughs> of Chicago, the musical, and have some follow-up questions? I mean, yeah, but at no point in Chicago do they say the word garter. They might. Probably. I'm sure they do actually. They, they have to at some point. Like I got, I'm gonna something with my car straps. <laughs> this is an unreasonable point. <laughs> I, I feel ganged up on. 
So, and this will kind of bleed into our fun segment a little bit, but um, so we've seen Beachella, which I think is probably the best concert performance of at least the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine this. A man appears in your room and he says, take my hand. And you take his hand. And then he transports you to hell, which is the worst potential concert performance you could possibly be forced to go see live. Which, what is your hell concert performance? Oh boy. Oh, okay. First of all, I don't know that I would take the hand of a random man who appears in my bedroom, but uh, it's definitely, what's the name of that band you played for me the other weekend? They make like the weird animal and like electronic music. Oh, oh, but that's Animal Collective? Yes, I think it's them. I could not stand it. And the idea of having to listen to that kind of music for like three hours with no escape. And who knows what kind of show they're putting on and the kind of people well, that are there listening to it. I was going to say, Charles, um, usually during their shows, at least before they got super famous after Meriwether Post Pavilion, they would only do improvised versions of all of their songs. I don't want to... During live performances. I don't want to go to an improv music concert. No. <laughs> But I think that's a very good and accurate choice on your part. I think that would be your hell concert. Yeah, that was pretty bad. That was that was pretty bad. Yeah. It's gotta be them. There's I'm sure there's that's other bad. genres, but this is the one that comes to mind. That's a good choice. Garth. So a year or two ago, uh a YouTuber I like made a video about his experience going to the Jake Paul live show. <laughs> oh interesting. <laughs> I have, I have seen this video. Yeah, I, I showed mm-hmm. Butler's videos. Shout out to if you're good. That looks, yeah, like he, he filmed the whole, or like he filmed most of the thing and uh, they performed uh, It's Every Day Bro like three times. Okay. And there was also like comedy segments and like all the other insanely rich like members of his YouTube squad or whatever who also performed mm-hmm. and that looked pretty nice and it was at the hard rock cafe and that, and that was Ooh, that, in and, like and orlando was, uh, or something Ooh, yeah. I, I, iconic incredible yeah. yes <laughs> yeah uh, fantastic so i think i'm gonna go with that nice uh not just for like the performances themselves but also just everyone there as well because it's like mostly you know teens who mm-hmm. watch jake paul yeah um, yeah it was yeah. a bunch of like yeah, yeah like white male preteens that like idolized yeah. him and he made them wait around for hours. And then like, they had a DJ play a bunch of like a really bad, like it would sound like a really dumb set. And then like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That does sound pretty terrible. Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to roll with that. So, that's pretty nice. good. Yeah. Solid choice. Good choice. YouTubers don't need to be doing concerts or, or touring. Good. Yeah. No, they do not. All right. Um, I'm going to go with bright eyes. <laughs> Hot, hot choice over here. Um, I, I would assume you would love the bright eyes show. I, I did, but that's I did it that's like when I was in high school, which is why I could not imagine going to a, a show now. Mm, okay, I'm, I'm imagining like a 2022 bright eyes concert. Got that it. sounds All awful right. to me, yeah. Charles. For reference, bright eyes is this very like like a man with an acoustic guitar who's like, "We went to the shore, and that you didn't love me anymore." What? No more kisses for Connor. <laughs> So 
Yes. And this man is doing concerts. He's not doing just like the occasional like coffee shop performance. He's doing concerts. No, they were pretty big. I saw, well, I didn't see Bright Eyes, but I saw his band, his other band perform at the 930 Club and they were fucking terrible. Um, I, I want but... you to record a Bright Eyes album. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just imagine it's, like, a lot of people our age, but, like, who haven't grown out of, like, the 2007 aesthetic. Okay. I, but I but I who aren't me, because I have grown somewhat out of the 2007 <laughs> aesthetic. And that is why I hate them the most. And that's why I've gone with Bright Eyes. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Say roommate boyfriend. Yes. Uh... Which one would you like to go to the least? A Jake Paul show, a Bright Eyes show, or an Animal Collective show? Uh, Jake Paul. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you set up like a standard there, Garth, where like, yeah. Yeah, that's, right. a, that's a good one. It's like a kind of high water mark. Yeah. Um, all right, well, this has been the Butthole Corner. Wow, thank you for having us. Really interesting one. Yeah. Really thank provocative you. content. Uh, let's talk about like, is this X video better than Single Ladies, Garth? Mm-hmm. You had to let yes, hi. you had to let us know what this video was ahead of time this time. So I'm still gonna let yeah. you set it up, but there's the context yeah. for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the video I have selected is "Why Clef Jean" by Young Thug. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a music video about Young Thug not showing up to record his own music video. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so what happened was uh, Young Thug showed up ten hours late to the uh, six-figure budget music video that they were going to shoot in the hills uh, and then refused to get out of his car uh, because Instagram got hacked, I believe. And uh, then they just sped away for whatever reason. And uh, um, the director having all this, like, B-roll he shot, uh, instead of just, like, scrapping the video, he assembled a thing where he basically explained... He he made a music video explaining how the music video turned into a disaster, um, and it's a music video I really appreciate because one, it takes the piss out of music videos, mm-hmm. um, sort of like revealing kind of like how much like ridiculous nonsense like you don't get to see happens. So like it it really kind of makes you think about like every music video ever made, mm-hmm. um, and it also like in a weird way is a nice kind of middle finger towards like people who sort of uh, vault these like ridiculous rappers and stuff as like, they're like a lot of like white pitchfork hipsters are like, like he's a secret genius. Like maybe, maybe he's not, maybe he's just like a guy who like makes impulsive decisions. Maybe Mm -hmm. he's just, uh, I, yeah. And like, I really, really love the tone of the video. Like, I like I love um, how mean-spirited and kind of bitter the director clearly was about Rightfully it. Rightfully mm-hmm. so, though, because, you know, instead of, like, working for a good artist or something, he worked for an unprofessional misogynist jerk. <laughs> yeah. Who has mm-hmm. no and, taste. And like, so there's that. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and, and the, the video, so the beginning of the video starts out with just this audio recording of what young thug wanted the video to be. And it's hilarious yep. mm-hmm. and also just completely ridiculous. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, <laughs> yeah, I love like, I, like the director, like I, I basically like it so much because like, it's very much on the side of like creative mm-hmm. and, and it's on the side of like, you know, 
I'm constantly forced to make these like ridiculous videos with these ridiculous people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, it feels like very much like a venting from like the people you don't get to hear about who have to like accommodate ridiculous demands from like man children. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which is a very relatable feeling to like anyone who's ever been like a producer or just like, you know, someone below the line or anything like that. It, mm -hmm. it, it's very kind of like a celebration of like the people you don't get to see yes. while also just shitting on artists. And like, I, I love the the part where he puts the word juxtaposition in. Yes. In big, yes. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I, I just love what this video has to say and I love the way it says it. And yes. um and it, it's and also it's just very funny yes mm -hmm. uh so I, I don't expect you guys to go along with this one but, mm -hmm. but, but what do you think uh yeah i mean like there's a lot of things i like about it like i like how much it is sticking up for like you said the producers and uh directors who have to deal with really annoying spoiled talent of which there is a lot of i like also like it's the way it portrays like the label and managers was also yeah. really good and I felt like very accurate because a lot of the time people in production will talk about how talent can be difficult but it's really like the people who are hired to handle talent or like represent talent who are the worst of the people because they feel like I don't know they just have to cause trouble so it's like you know they're like young thug's been missing all day all of a sudden he's like you know ready to show up for the last hour of the shoot and the reps call and demand that all these like preparation and special things are made. And then he doesn't even get out of the car and they can't get him out of the car and it's the worst. But at the same time, like, yeah, like Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and like so much work has clearly like gone into this preparation and none of it matters because yeah. the artist isn't going to show up because of diva reasons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At the same time though, I was really, there's a lot of things in here that like, really got to me that like diminished my appreciation of it like there's some stuff that like I know they had to do because the talent wanted to do it but like the shots where they're like they have the adult women like destroying the cop car and glass is like flying at children was mm -hmm. worrying because I don't also like it made me worry also about like the level of production of the shoot because no one who works in children's entertainment would allow that to happen <laughs> Um, uh -huh. and also there's like a scene where like, they say like, oh, we paid these women extra to do this like gross thing with the sausage. And I was just like, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. whose choice was that though? Was it Young Thugs or was it yours? Cause it's like, like you spent all day just filming a bunch of like dumb B-roll. That was all your idea. So I didn't like that they made that choice. Um, and just, yeah, I don't know. So it's interesting to me that this has become the official music video for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the, the fact that anyone allowed it to exist is probably also should be mentioned. Yeah. Being pretty crazy. I, also, I don't know. I guess I was also just so distracted by what was going on in the music video that I didn't hear any of the lyrics of the song. So I have no idea what the song has to do mm. with white club Jean and why you would. Oh, nothing. Well, every, um, every song on that album, if I, if, if I recall correctly, is named after, like, someone he finds influential. Oh, okay, so it's not, like, a diss song or something, okay. Yeah, so if, if you go through, like, all of the songs, like, they're all named after, like, other rappers and singers and stuff. Oh, okay. Like then I understand this even less, because it's, like, what does any of this stuff they were going to put in the music video have to do with White Clef Sean? I don't know. Anyway, so my yeah. stance uh, is, young, it is... Young Thug's a genius. My stance is that it is not better than Single Ladies. Sanchez? 
I agree. Not better than single ladies. Ooh. Any any thoughts on the videos in general? No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not watch it? No, I just I I think Chelsea kind of summed everything up pretty well, and you know, single ladies stands on its yes. own. Okay. Professionalism, choreography, perfection, perfection, robot, robot hand, good costuming, no endangered yeah. children, lots of things. Yeah. None of the, uh, there were no children and all of the adults were not in peril. So. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Is it time for the fun segment? I think it is time for the fun segment. segment. Uh, This is the segment that rotates every week. This week, the segment question is, of all the artists you've never seen in concert, which one would you like to see live the most? And I thought this was a really good one. I have an easy answer. The answer is Bad Bunny. I was so close to getting tickets. So close. Almost there. Still still keeping an eye on those resale sites. Got to get those tickets. Really, really, really want to see Bad Bunny in concert. If it is anything nice. close to the J Balvin show I saw in uh, 2019, I will be a happy lady. Very nice. Sandoz? So I have an anecdote. We might cut this okay. out because it's personally extremely embarrassing. My <laughs> okay. Um, then, then then I will fight for it. Stay in, and there's no way we're cutting it. A high school teacher of mine, who I looked up to a lot, asked me a very similar question um, when I was in high school. Um, but more of a kind of like a historical spin on it. Um, and I choked, and I couldn't think of a concert, so I said Altamont. <laughs> this is real. This is something I legitimately said. Um, What's Altamont? <laughs> it is a concert that happened in san francisco um and i believe what was it the hell's angels were like the security the security and it ended in a massive fight and it was very violent and i know really bad i know about Um, this i know about like the i know about the hell's angels issue i did not know the name of the concert or i cannot remember the name of the band that was there i think it's the rolling stones right it was the rolling stones yeah Um, and so I think about this every couple of weeks and it's, I'm still embarrassed about the fact that I said this. I don't know why I said it. I I defended it by just saying, I just wanted to see what would happen. Um, and so, um, my real answer is of course, Woodstock 99. Another, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, (laughs) um, Butler, it's another um, incredibly violent uh, outdoor concert venue that happened. No. Uh, my real choice, I went historical um, for this one, is of course the February 26th, 1995 Selena concert Ooh. at the Houston Astrodome. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So good. Of course. I mean, there's yeah. no other choice. Oh, so yeah. good. So beloved. Mm-hmm. Iconic. So yeah. iconic. Truly. Good choice. Yeah. There's no other choice for me. I did a bunch of research too, and I was like, nope, it's still gonna be Selena. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Thank you. Uh for me. Um yeah, okay, first of all, Summer of Soul made a very, very good argument for itself. Um but I'm not going to go like if I have to go with a historical concert, uh I would probably go Dave Chappelle's block party. Mm, I thought about that too. Uh, yeah, those are basically all of my favorite artists assembled in one concert. Um, 
But if I had to kind of pick just one, um, I'd probably do the Roots. Hmm. Um, preferably in a smaller venue. Because, uh, I mean, look, I, I love hip-hop. Um, I don't have a problem admitting that the worst, that hip-hop is pretty much the worst live show. Hmm. Um, it is mostly, you know, just like yelling and, you know, with, with bad acoustic. With, rah, 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 rah. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, like the roots being like a live band combining like the, the elements of rap I like, plus like, you know, actual, you know, care for mm-hmm. music and all that. Um, yeah. Roots probably being like the bucket list, like I want to see live act. Um, so oh, nice. yes, I will go with. Dave Chappelle's block party slash the roots. All right. Uh, we are, are wrapping things up here. But before we wrap up, our good friend Hubie has something to say about Steven Seagal. Uh, Steven Seagal has the consistency of a stool. Good good medical jargon from Hubie there. Mm-hmm. Solid. Good, good, good stuff. <laughs> All right, uh, next time we are covering the album Lemonade. Yes. And Yay. the feature film slash visual art project, or whatever you want to call it, Lemonade. Yay! It's double lemonade. Get your lemonade, lemonade jokes in. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Very good. And while you're getting things in, leave us a review. Yes. Or a rating, or both. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great idea. Preferably high. <laughs> yes. Five stars, please. I, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Five please. stars. I love you. Listener. Give us five stars. Uh, also, follow us, follow us on social media. Our Twitter is at Gwittapod. Our Instagram is at Podcast, And our Facebook is But What If I Tried Acting. Uh, thank you, Chelsea's. Thank you, Chelsea Sanchez. Thank you, Garth. Thank you, Chelsea Butler. Yes. I know I came in today rather grouchy. Um, yeah. But through the healing powers of Beyonce, I am now in a relatively good mood. Awesome. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. I'm sort of a little apprehensive of the traffic I'm going to be stuck in on the way home, but hey, mm-hmm. uh, good times. We should embrace them. Yes, the power mm-hmm. of Beyonce uh, thank- heals all. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Chelsea's. And thank you, listener. Uh, and thank you, roommate's boyfriend, uh, who is not listening to us, but I would like to hug him. Very nice. In a, in a sensual way. Good. Okay. Goodbye. Everybody. All right. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. All right.